welcome to UWA Alumni Voices podcast and this is a Young Alumni Network initiative. My name is Andrea Bradbury and I'm a committee member with the Young Alumni Network. Today my special guest is Liz Graydon. Liz graduated from UWA in 2017 with a Bachelor's in Commerce, Marketing, Communications and Media Studies and is now a junior planner at global advertising agency Ogilvy in Melbourne. So Liz, can you share a little bit about your journey from UWA to where you are now? Thanks, Andrea. Yeah, so it was about, I guess, midway through my degree that I actually decided to take a break and I moved to London for a couple of years, as a, as a lot of young people do. And it was in London that my passion for advertising and marketing was ignited. So when I got back from London to Perth to UWA, I really dived into finding out what routes I could take after university to get into um, marketing or advertising. I didn't know kind of where I wanted to go. And one of the, the best tools that I used was mentorship. Both UWA and the UWA Uni Clubs offer some amazing ways to connect with not only business women and men of Perth but but abroad so through those programs I met some uh, amazing women one in particular Atami Ann and she really opened my eyes to the world of potentially working in an advertising agency um, and that's kind of different to in-house marketing because you get to work on loads of different brands at one time which kind of seemed uh, exactly up my alley. I, I like to have a lot of things at, on the go at once. Um, so that's when I was introduced to award school and the Jumpstart program. They're both run by the Comms Council. Award school is a course for people who want to become kind of copywriters or art directors. It's essentially the program you do if you want to become a creative in an advertising agency. Well, the Jumpstart program is mainly focused on the account management and strategy departments of an agency. I found award school much more challenging, but so much more rewarding. Um, I, there was a point where I wanted to quit halfway through because I just kept constantly comparing myself to the other people in, in my year. Um, but I'm, I'm so glad I did it and it definitely, definitely opened up a lot of doors for me. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I've heard um, award school can be pretty tricky, um, but uh, I think you'll go into a bit more detail about how that was for you uh, later. Um, but what happened after award school once you graduated? Where, where to next? So um, after award school and after uni, um, I ended up doing an internship at a kind of strategic led agency in Perth called Meerkats. Um, and that was incredibly eye-opening. I really got to dive in deep into more um, the strategy side of things. I was persuaded after award school to kind of go into the creative side of an advertising agency, um, having done really well in award school. But the, I don't know what it was about it. The strategy side just really really had my heart and there was something about um, being analytical but also a little bit creative that reached out to me and really resonated with me. So it was kind of towards the end of my internship at Meerkats that I realised I wanted to work on bigger, bigger and different brands. I remember one of my mentors asked me 
if I could work on one brand, name a brand, what is the brand that you would love to work on? And the brand that I, I said was Cadbury. Um, so she basically said, hey, if, if that's the kind of brands we're talking about, you need to get your, your butt over east. So I ended up moving to Melbourne um, at the start of 2019. Um, and a few interviews and job applications later, I got the job at Ogilvy where one of our biggest clients is Cadbury. Um, <laughs> so that was, yeah, really, really exciting and kind of 10-year-old Liz's um, dream of, of watching that ad, um, wouldn't it be nice if the world was chocolate? Um, I feel like that's that. the ad of our childhood. <laughs> totally. That one and the, and the gorilla oh, playing, yeah. playing Phil Collins. Um, oh. Yeah, so it was kind of a dream come true. Um, oh, that's awesome. Moving here, yeah. Yeah. Um, and back to your uni days, um, I know you were pretty heavily involved in a number of clubs and groups um, and investing back into the community at uni. Um, did you want to share a little bit about uh, what you did and um, why you did it, I guess? Yeah, sure. I remember hearing a quote in either my first or second year of uni, I think from maybe an ex vice chancellor who basically said, if you leave UWA with just a, de just a degree, you haven't done uni right or something, something yeah, like that. I remember hearing that yeah. too. <laughs> and I think, and I think there's a lot of truth to that for sure, because extracurricular activities look great on your CV and whatnot. But I think deep down, I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted to have fun outside of uni. I didn't want to just go to uni, do uni work, do uni exams, and that be the extent of my university experience. So I was kind of involved in three main clubs, um, Unicat for Kids, Leading Youth Forward and Markham. Um, Unicat for Kids is definitely my favourite and the one that I was um, volunteering for the longest. Still still currently volunteer with them whenever I'm back in Perth um, and they're essentially Perth's oldest registered children's charity and they provide um, camps in the summer and four picnics a year for uh, emotionally and or financially underprivileged children of Perth from the ages of, of six to twelve. So it's really just giving these these kids who don't always have a lot of fun in their lives a day or a week of just being a kid and and as a volunteer you essentially be get to be a big kid for a day as well so no <laughs> complaints there I think um, that would suit you Liz <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely I have so many funny stories from these kids they're just the funniest most vivacious most carefree kids they, they were just great so I've definitely made a lot of amazing friends and memories from from volunteering with Unicamp for Kids um, Unicamp for Kids, then when the kids turn 13, when they graduate from UCFK, it turns into Leading Youth Forward or Life, which is more of a, a mentor-mentee relationship. Unicamp for Kids is more about the families. Life is about kind of that big brother, big sister program. Um, and that's definitely so much more challenging because you're now dealing one-on-one -on -one with with what essentially is a, a teenager um but even though it was pretty difficult to say the least it was incredibly rewarding and just knowing that you're 
you're actively making a, a difference in, in a young person's life and potentially affecting the rest of their life. Um, yeah, it, it makes you feel good um, yeah. and it kind of puts your life and how privileged we are into perspective. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Do you think um, like being part of groups like that has helped you in your career, I guess, from a purely kind of selfish point of view, as a planner, you have to understand like a lot of different people in a lot of different worlds of, of you know, walks of life. Um, do you think that has like enriched your understanding of other people? Yeah, absolutely. As a planner, one of the biggest things you need is um, human insights. And to gain those human insights, you need empathy and doing things like Unicamp for Kids or Leading Youth Forward or volunteering or pushing yourself out of your comfort zone enables you to, um, you can't really learn empathy, but you can um, have a deeper understanding of it. Um, but that being said, I think even if you weren't a planner, volunteering is great for your soft skills and is great to, to give back to the community when, when we're so privileged like we are. Um, being able to go to UWA, uh, I think, I think it's kind of our responsibility to give back for sure. Yeah, that's definitely very <laughs> heartwarming. <laughs> um, um, and you mentioned you were part of um, Mark M as well. Yeah, so they were kind of the two, um, Leading Youth Forward and Unicamp for Kids were the two volunteering programs I did for a bit of fun to meet new people. And then I really realized when I got back from London that I needed to get involved in more of um, an industry focused extracurricular activity. So Markham is the Marketing and Management Society of UWA and I joined it essentially to meet to meet people in the industry. I wanted to have a way to introduce myself um, and meet meet like-minded people that could potentially give me some insights into marketing and advertising and, and Markham gave me the, the means to do so. Um, and we hosted some really fun and interactive events with Markham. We hosted one called Creative Corner, um, where we essentially team up with a brand and give the students a brief. Then we allocate them with the industry expert to see who can come up with the, the best effect, the most effective and creative solution. Um, and that's always a fun night. You've been to one, Andrea. They're, they're yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah, they're and then awesome, we also, awesome fun. <laughs> yeah, super fun. You have some pizza, have some drinks, get to meet people. Really, really fun. Um, and then my other favourite event that we hosted was called My First Year, which is essentially where we got five um, industry graduates, so people that had just graduated uni, to tell us about their first year in the big bad world of advertising and essentially how they got their jobs because for a lot of uni students it's kind of like what next how do I logistically go out and, and get a job so Liz can you tell me exactly what a junior planner does yeah so um, an advertising agency is kind of split into four main um, roles you've kind of got the account management side the strategic side the creative side and the production side so I kind of sit in the middle in the strategic planning side where we essentially in short um, find solutions for business problems so a, um, a 
client will come to us and say, we need to sell this product or we need to target this audience. And we will, as a planner, will create kind of the, the plan, if you will, to do so. <laughs> and it's kind of, um, it's almost when clients come to you and they say, we have a problem and we don't know what the solution looks like. And it's, it, it's your job to kind of go, oh, it could be this, it could be that. Um, could be something creative, could be something business related, but yeah, it's, you're the one to almost like figure out what to do with their problem. <laughs> Absolutely. We're kind of like the detectives of, of their business. Absolutely. Yeah. So Liz, you've been sharing um, a number of micro blog posts on LinkedIn, um, which you've named mistakes I made as a junior. Um, what was your reasoning behind making this kind of mini blog series and um, what do you think people can get out of it? Yeah, so I personally, as I'm sure a lot of us do, really resonate with advice that's authentic, open, honest and kind of not covered in a, in a cloud of sophistication, if you will. Um, yeah. Like it's all great for someone to give you inspiring advice, but if you can't relate to that or relay that into your everyday experiences, then it's, it's not really that helpful as advice, is it? So No, it's got to be practical. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I kind of hope people through this, this content series just realise that, oh, like people do make mistakes and that's okay, especially as juniors. We don't really know, well, I personally didn't know what we're getting ourselves in for. So if I can kind of give someone a little bit of real advice or, or real insight to make them feel a little bit more confident or a little bit better about their role, then, then I'm happy to help. And that's, that's kind of why I started it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the best part about um, these, these posts is that they're so honest and they're real and they're no BS. Um, so why don't we share a few of them uh, with some of our listeners today? Yeah. Awesome. So I guess, ironically, my first piece of advice is about advice. I took every piece of advice I received like it was the be-all and end-all. Any person that I asked for advice, I took it in totality. So, ironically, my advice is to take all advice with a grain of salt. Because <laughs> um, all people can really do is relay their own experiences um, and sometimes that just won't line up with what you will experience or what you have experienced. And that's okay. That's fine. Just take whatever people say, pop it in your back pocket and don't use it in its completeness. Just kind of have it in the back of your mind. I've received a lot of advice that has been completely opposite. So yeah, take every, take every advice with a pinch of salt. Don't do what I did and take it in totality. <laughs> I think it's um, really interesting as well because you come across uh, like people with all kinds of values in your career and those people like those values might not necessarily line up with your values and if if you're, you're getting advice from someone I think it's important to kind of recognize whether that's something that you would do with your values and your career aspirations and your you know attitude towards climbing the corporate ladder or whatever um yeah that's because, that's totally it yeah it's not always isn't it there's definitely more ways to skin a cat <laughs> <laughs> absolutely that's, that's, that's a great way to put it close your cat's ears <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> She's looking at me like, I hear something naughty. <laughs> um, so another piece of advice that I, that I have um, and pretty much the, the reason why I started the content series mistakes I make as a junior is because I always thought as a junior, your bosses are looking at how good you, essentially I thought your bosses were looking at how perfect you are. That's why they hired you because you were the most the, the best person for the job, but really your bosses aren't looking at how perfect you are. They're looking to see how you bounce back from mistakes and how resilient you are and how you deal with obstacles. So I guess your job as a junior is to make mistakes. So make mistakes, but bounce back hard and be resilient. Don't do what I did and thought you just have to be perfect and you couldn't get anything wrong. You don't have to be perfect. You just need to be able to bounce back from the stuff you do get wrong. And that's okay. Yeah, definitely. That's such a great piece of advice because I think, as you said, you're, as a junior, you're trying to do everything exactly right. Like you're just trying to impress, impress, impress. Um, But almost you kind of limit yourself to doing only exactly as you're told. Like you, you don't try and do that little extra bit or you don't try and try something differently because you don't want to make a mistake and you don't want to do it differently. Um, but yeah, I think that's really important to, to be resilient as well when you do make a, make a mistake and come back and kind of own it as well. Like own, own not being perfect. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Say, look, I made a mistake. I won't do that again. Let's keep moving forward. And I think that relates to my next piece of advice. And that's kind of when I started out, I, not really as I started out, actually, as I got more comfortable in my job and started finding my groove, as they say, I found that I actually stopped asking questions because I got comfortable. I, this kind of came to my attention when I, when I missed something incredibly basic that as a junior, I should have definitely questioned. And after I realised, okay, should have asked that question, my bad, started, started asking the basic questions again. And if I, if I had a dollar for every time someone, if I had a dollar for every time I asked what I thought was a silly or stupid or basic question and someone replied with, great question. I didn't even think of that. I'd be a a very, I'd be a moderately wealthy lady. That's (laughs) So as a junior, your job is to ask questions, even if you think they are silly or stupid or basic because they're they're not when you're a junior, They're, they're not. Yeah, exactly. And as you mentioned, they're probably not silly questions either. If, you know, if, if you're thinking about it, probably needs to be thought about generally. So, Absolutely. Um, and I think as well, you're right. There's a moment in when you become a junior and you, when you've been a junior for a certain amount of time, you start to get good at being a junior. And I think for me, that was a step where I, I didn't take that next step to kind of push myself into the next level. Like if you get really good at being the low level, kind of doing the low level tasks, if you don't ask the question and, you know, kind of push yourself, you end up being 
kind of left in this junior box. Whereas I think if you go and ask the questions, people go, oh, you know, you have the ability to kind of step up and take the next level and get the next job and get the next like harder task. Absolutely. And it shows that you're curious and willing and you are able to, you are able to step up because you, you are so curious. Yeah. 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 Um, so another, another mistake that I've, that's come to light quite recently was thinking that I'm the only person who feels imposter syndrome. So imposter syndrome, I definitely, I had never really heard of it until I started getting mentored. I had never heard of the the phrase before. Um, but if you couldn't already tell, it's when you feel like you aren't good enough for the job that you're doing, you feel like you're an imposter. Um, but the big secret is that everyone feels it when starting out and often throughout their whole careers. I've spoken to CEOs and creative directors and um, women and men that have started their own companies who still feel it. And <laughs> they might not feel it all the time, 24-7, but they might feel it once a week, once a day, once an hour. Um, and I think the big surprise to me that it's not about overcoming it because that will just come with time. It's a completely natural feeling. I think it's about finding ways to deal with it. And my favourite way and my most effective way to deal with it is to actually talk about it, talk about it to other juniors. It's much more comforting to know other people feel the exact same way. They feel out of their depth. Um, they feel like an imposter. It makes you kind of unite over one common feeling. Um, and it also, through that unification, kind of makes that feeling go away. Um, so, yeah, don't think that you're on, the only person that feels imposter syndrome because <laughs> everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's slightly uh, discomforting, but yeah. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, I still feel it today sometimes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I think my last piece of advice is, and this is probably the, the thing that I get asked the most, um, is I have a lot of uh, uni students. I've actually had um, three in the past couple of months reach out to me and ask, how did I get my role? And I think there's an issue in asking that question because I, not an issue because you, you ask the questions you think are relevant, but one thing that I, or one mistake that I made was thinking there's only one way to get your desired role. I was personally told time and time again that there's one way to get into strategy and being a strategic planner, and that is being in, in account management first. I was told that the only way for you to be a creative is to do award school. And I can safely say now that there is no one way to get into an agency, let alone get into to any job. There are so many routes, there's so many paths, there's so many ways in. All you have to do is just make sure that you are opening as many doors as you can and one day the right door will open. And that sounds exhausting <laughs> and it sounds hard, but as long as you are trying and not expecting your, your ideal job just to fall in your lap, 
um, then it then then it will come. Yeah, and I think um, well, I, from my perspective, I guess like you took a year off um, and you went and studied um, like through the grad program and through award school again after uni. Um, and I guess that's not a traditional pathway in itself. Um, do you think having that time to kind of grow as a person and grow more skills helped you in the workforce or do you think it was, uh, yeah. What, what do you think? Was it a positive experience? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I ended up like, I'll be honest, going back to uni as technically a mature age student was daunting. I was doing first year units with uh, students seven or eight years younger than me. It definitely, I definitely felt a little bit insecure about it, but I have absolutely no regrets because from doing that, it got me to where I am now into literally my dream job. I used to dream about this job when I was a child. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think our, our parents and the generation, the generations before us very much had a cookie cutter kind of path that they took. And we all know that they were kind of in an in average two jobs over their lives. Whereas our generation, we're going to be in seven jobs on average in our lives. <laughs> so I think their idea of, of a, a path to success is very finite and limited. Whereas these days we need to realize that there are so many different paths that so many people that so many different people can take that that gets us to where we we want to be um, let alone where we need to be so yeah I think the path that I took definitely wasn't um, the most common but it worked out and I implore anyone who ever feels insecure about the path that they're taking to um, not care what anybody else thinks. I think it was Teddy Roosevelt. This is one of my favourite quotes. Teddy <laughs> Roosevelt said that um, comparison is the thief of joy. So <laughs> if you just go out comparing yourself to everyone, you're never going to be happy and you're never going to find, find your own success. Yeah, that's a great quote, that one. Yeah, I think I also it. Um, it takes, like I, you must have an incredible amount of patience to and patience and resilience I think it takes to kind of go that path of knowing what you want to do and kind of taking your own way because like you said there's like there's always going to be people who will judge you for that and maybe you'll even judge yourself at some stage but um you know making sure that you don't give up and you don't let anybody tell you when you're going to do something like when you're ready to do it and when you've got the opportunity, <laughs> it'll Absolutely. come to you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think the hardest bit about that is getting people around you that support that. Cause mm. I know a lot of people just don't have that kind of support system around them that let them take their time to find their own path. Um, yeah. So whatever you can do within means to, to find that support system to, to get you where you need to be. Um, yeah, f find it and hold on to it. I mean, those were great. I found them really useful. Well, thank you, Liz. Um, I just really enjoyed hearing from you about your candid advice and really honest 
um, life experiences that you've shared with us today. And I, I really hope that everyone listening enjoys them as much as I have. Um, if you want to catch any more of Liz's uh, mistakes she made as a junior, uh, you can go through a myriad of other um, blog posts on her LinkedIn. Um, just search Liz Graydon. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Liz. Thanks for having me, Andrea.